Hey friends! I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. The world lost some notable musicians over the last week, so I'd like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Wayne Kramer, lead guitarist and vocalist for the protopunk band MC5. Also, this episode is being dedicated to the memory of the psychobilly musician, actor, and DJ Mojo Nixon. I'd like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Stevie Pullman, singer and multi-instrumentalist for the Portland art-punk band Mope Grooves. And lastly, this episode is being dedicated to the memory of Damo Suzuki, vocalist for the band Can. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love this show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some excellent fiction, the best way to do that is to purchase any or all of my books. I'm the author of 11 self-published novels that are all currently available to buy worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. If you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all 11 of my books in ebook format at Google Play. To search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A, that's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Where's that quirky theme song? Here it is. checking out the show. It's good to have you along. I hope you're doing well. You feel like flying? Come on in my magic car with me. We'll go for a little ride. You ready? Drop that beat. You are now rocking with the best. All right. Sing it, Tom York. How good is that guy's voice, huh? Unbelievable. So good. Love that. Love Radiohead. That was uh, Radiohead from the album Amnesiac. The song is called I Might Be Wrong. I've been listening to a lot of Radiohead. Been listening to a lot of The Smile, that other Radiohead side project with Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. But uh, would I love a new Radiohead album? Oh my god, who wouldn't, right? Set the world right again. Come on, fellas. <laughs> Help me out now. Help us all out. Need a little hope here. Not that Radiohead make particularly hopeful songs. <laughs> yeah, they can be a little uh, moribund. <laughs> 
But, uh, but yeah, man, it'd just be nice to have something new. Bring the new, new Vampire Weekend in April. Just heard about that. Yeah, I'm psyched. That's a band I'd love to see live. Never seen them live. The whole family likes that band. When I say the whole family, I mean my wife, my daughter, and myself. I would love to get us tickets to see that band as a family. That would be a fun one. Vampire Weekend. Very cool. Uh, speaking of families, <laughs> I was at my mom's house the other day. And um, she was talking about the Super Bowl. She was looking forward to it. She had plans. She makes a lot of snacks for herself. She loves big sporting events. She likes the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's considered a big sporting event, but she loves the Little League World Series. Did you even know that was a televised event? <laughs> she loves that stuff. And she loves award shows. My mother. Loves the Grammys, loves the Emmys, loves the Academy Awards. Doesn't really care who wins. I think she just likes the celebrity sightings. That's fun, right? But yeah, she told me when I saw her the other day, uh, she said, yeah, Taylor's going to be in Las Vegas, uh, but she's going to fly in for the game. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> like, it's say, like, my mother knows like Taylor Swift's flight schedule. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Uh, but uh, Taylor is America's princess, and I don't mean any sarcasm when I say that. I'm happy that uh, she makes people as happy as she does. And I'm happy she found somebody, honestly. You know, I talked about it on this show, how I was I was feeling like uh, she hadn't had much luck in love. What with the uh, actors and other musicians, these, uh, these gentlemen uh, weren't working out. I thought, maybe somebody, you know, less high profile. Well... She didn't go that route exactly, as, as uh, Travis Kelsey is a hugely famous football player. But uh, it seems to be working between those two, so at least I was right about the maybe not going the actor or musician route. Maybe a jock is what, it, what she needs, but good for them. I hope they, they're happy. They seem to be. And uh, God knows we need a little something to project onto here. Or just uh, believe in, right? Can't hurt, right? Have a little hope. Give us, give us all a little hope. You know, feel good about uh, America's princess falling in love with somebody who plays what America's favorite sporting event, football. One of them, anyways. Uh, if you watched the football game, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I am not a uh, sports guy, as I've mentioned, but I realize sports make people happy, and so that makes me happy. And if uh, if you were watching. The Super Bowl this past weekend, I hope uh, hope your team won. How's that? <laughs> what was I doing this weekend? I saw my mom. After that, I brought my dog to the dog park. You wouldn't believe what happened at the dog park. First of all, I couldn't believe I was at a dog park in New Hampshire in February. That's highly unusual. But it was 60 degrees here on Saturday and sunny. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm bringing my dog to the dog park. And I thought for sure it would be a muddy mess from all the snow melting. But it wasn't surprisingly dry. If it had been muddy, I still would have brought her. But, you know, it wouldn't have been fun to have those dirty paws all over my car. <laughs> but no, it was, it was nice. It was nice. It was a nice day, 60 degrees. I didn't even need a jacket. And the ground was dry and there was a lot of people there. 
which was nice. So a lot of other dogs for Lola to interact with. Lola is my dog, if you didn't know. And uh, I struck up a conversation with a gentleman there whose dog was also named Lola. <laughs> because things were getting a bit confusing. Every time he'd yell to his dog, my dog would look over. And every time I'd yell to my dog, his dog would look over. And then I had to tell him, I said, you know, my dog's name is Lola, too. <laughs> Turned out, not only did we have dogs with the same name, but we were also married fellas, and we both had daughters. Yeah, I don't know what his, I don't know what his wife and daughter's names were. If they were uh, the same as my wife and daughter's, I would have, I would have thought, oh my god, this is too coincidental. I have to leave this dog park right away and go see a psychic. <laughs> or play the lottery or something, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so we both had that in common, and then we just started talking. Uh, as uh, guys are wont to do when they're in a situation where they're standing around watching their dogs play. And uh, we started talking about reading. He was a reader, fortunately. I always like to talk to a reader. And I'm, you know, I'm not a snob about about literature or books. You know, I I, I asked him what what his authors, his favorite authors were. And if he'd said something like, you know, James Patterson or shoot, I don't know, Dean Koontz or uh, maybe somebody that I don't read regularly, I still would have been able to talk to the guy. You know what I mean? I would have picked his brain about whatever, you know, if only just to talk about, you know, writers, you know, if he said Margaret Atwood, if he said Malcolm Gladwell, you know, nonfiction folks also, not that Margaret Atwood's nonfiction, I understand she's not, but, uh, you know. Just to talk about uh, talk about books and literature with somebody, it's always nice. But I asked this guy. I said, uh, "So, uh, so who do you like to read?" He says, "Kurt Vonnegut." Oh, <gasps> that's my favorite. I slapped him. <laughs> not, not in the face. I slapped him on the shoulder very hard, and I said, "Get the f out of here." <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to hear Kurt Vonnegut. I don't think I've ever spoken with anybody who's told me, like, right off the bat, their favorite author, or the first author that they think of when they think of, you know, who they like to read. They love Kurt Vonnegut, because I love Kurt Vonnegut so much. I slapped him right on the shoulder and said, get the F out of here. And then I turned around and walked away, because I was in such shock. <laughs> then I spun around on my heel, and I pointed at him, and I said, you're my dude! <laughs> Unfortunately, he had a sense of humor. Obviously, he's a Kurt Vonnegut fan. He's got a sense of humor. He was laughing, you know? And then I realized, I said to myself, Andy, you just you just slapped this person you just met 10 minutes ago. <laughs> you better apologize. And I said, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't... <laughs> I'm sorry I slapped you. And he's like, no, no. He said, I get it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I said, I just didn't expect you to say Kurt Vonnegut, and I was psyched. <laughs> oh, man. The guy's got a wife and a daughter. Same as me. A dog named Lola, same as me. Loves Kurt Vonnegut, same as me. What are the chances? Hmm. Why does every other movie on the Paramount Plus Network star Mark Wahlberg? What is that about? Ugh. I'm scrolling through the movies. Every 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 film every other film on there is like his scowl, you know? What a miserable man Mark Wahlberg seems to be. <laughs> you know? Or Tom Cruise. There's a bunch of Tom Cruise movies on that Paramount Plus. I don't watch anything on there. My wife loves it. I can't find anything good. 
What else can I tell you about? Oh, yeah, speaking of psychics, I mentioned psychics a moment ago. My daughter asked me the other day, she said, would you ever go to a psychic? I said, I don't think so. Number one, I'm skeptical. Number two, whatever they told me about the future, I'd be thinking about all the time. Like wondering if it was going to happen. Wondering if the choices I was making in my life as I went along were conducive to making those things a reality, whatever they said. It, I, I think it would screw me up. I really do. I'm, I'm, I, I kind of just uh, would rather not know, I suppose. I don't think I would go to a psychic. I've never been. I don't think that's something I'm interested in doing. And again, yeah, I am skeptical. But uh, no, no thanks, not for me. <sighs> well, you want to hear some, uh, some clips? I got a couple for you. All right. Let's uh, hear the clip music, then we'll get into it. Clip music, por favor. Whenever there's trouble, whenever the double, we're the pound If you've got the crime, we've got the time, we're the pound Thank you. Okay, the first clip is from a fella who goes by the name of Devin Palmer. You may have seen this guy on TikTok. Admittedly, I'm not a huge Devin Palmer fan. Uh, he's got a very dry delivery. He's he's obviously a very funny guy. If you see him, you're like, oh, this 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 guy's being funny. He's a he's a TikTok comedian. Good for him. But usually, you know, I see his clips and I'm like, oh, not this guy again. But this one, this clip from Devin Palmer, I liked. And uh, I'll have to set it up for you because it is a little bit visual, and I'm hoping it works. Just hearing it as audio. But what he's doing is he's playing a guy who's pretending... He's pretending to be a guy who owns a lake house. Okay? And he's talking to two friends. And the friends are also played by him. He's one, again, one of those TikTok comic comedians or uh, stand-up guys or writers, whatever they happen to do. And they make funny TikToks. And, uh, you know, they'll play all the parts, all the roles in their, uh, their TikTok videos. And anyways, okay, sorry, got off track there. In this Devin Palmer video, he's playing a guy who owns a lake house, trying to get his friends excited about the lake house. And his friends are excited that um, he's inviting them up to the lake house and they want to nail it down, but that never happens. And you might have a friend like this who says, hell, you know what we ought to do? We ought to go up to, to my lake house, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, yeah, let's do it. When, when are we going to do it? And then it never materializes. Okay, and that's essentially what this, uh, this clip was. And I thought he, he pulled this off quite well. Uh, so I thought I'd play it for you. Again, this is uh, Devin Palmer, guy that calls himself Devin Palmer, at least, on TikTok. And uh, he's inviting his friends to his lake house. Devin, yeah, you guys, you got to come up to the lake house sometime. Yeah, sure. Yeah, man, just invite us up. Yeah, yeah. I'll be up there all summer, probably. Cool. Just tell us when to come. Yeah, just give us a day. Yeah, you gotta come up. When? Come on up to the lake house. It's a song. When? I would love that to hear that song. Yeah, I gotta throw some chicken on the grill. I got a nice grill up there. I love chicken! Where is it? Up at the lake. Up at Where? the lake house. Oh, it's up at the house. No, not the grill. Where's the house? It's right by the lake. Can't lake miss house it. at the lake. What lake? It's right by the house. I'll show you if you come up. It's right by my lake house. 
Oh, I will come up. Yeah, I'll come up. Yeah, too. come up. Come on. This is going to be so fun when it happens. Heavy. <laughs> Not bad, right? I hope that made sense. He doesn't really do voices, so it kind of all sounds like the same person. But uh, I think we've all had that friend who makes grand plans, but they never materialize. <laughs> okay, I had one more clip I wanted to play before I hand things off to Rachel. And uh, this is a guy I love. This is, uh, this is Stephen Wright, the comedian. When I was a younger guy, Stephen Wright seemed to be everywhere. He had comedy albums. He was on, you know, uh, late night talk shows. He was on like, you know, like half hour comedy shows all the time. Very dry stand-up. Speaking of dry stand-up, Stephen Wright is probably the king of dry deadpan humor. But uh, this is uh, Stephen Wright speaking with Stephen Colbert about coffee and jokes. And I thought this was quite good. Here is uh, Stephen Wright talking with Stephen Colbert about coffee and jokes. What's your process for writing jokes? Do you, are, you, are they always sort of coming into you, or do you actually sit down and like, oh, okay, I'm going to write for a couple hours? No, what I do is I drink coffee. Are you a coffee drinker? I'm a coffee achiever. <laughs> I think coffee is one of the best things about being alive. Sure. To the Turks. Yes, to the Turks. I mean, I mean, it's uh, dry. I mean, my mind goes crazy on coffee. So I, what I do is I exercise in the morning, and then I go somewhere and I drink coffee, and then I just, I'm like a receptionist for my mind. <laughs> I just write down things that come into my head, jokes or whatever they are. Like, I'll just write jokes down. Like, one came into my head, may I tell you a joke from the other day? I would be very grateful. Uh, my friend Jimmy bought an electric car. He's very excited about it. Then he bought an electric blanket. Then he bought an electric guitar. Then he bought an electric chair, and I haven't heard from him. What's your process? <laughs> for? I thought that was quite good. Stephen Wright. Another native New Englander. I think he's from Burlington. Pretty sure. It's about 45 minutes south of where I am. Anyway, at this point, I am going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's chart chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got some nice comments from Sherry, Zach, Tavy, Mary, Jill, Jeffrey, and Carolyn. I didn't watch the We Are the World doc yet, but I did watch a clip of comedian Kevin Meany's stand-up about the song, which was six minutes very well spent. For this week, I decided to return to my spreadsheet of pop hits from 1955 to 2013 from Ray Woodcock's blog and look for charting singles with Kansas City or San Francisco in the title. I'm sure we could all name one for each city, but I wanted to learn more. In 1952, songwriters Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller wrote Kansas City despite never having visited. They were inspired by Big Joe Turner Records and intended their composition for Little Willie Littlefield. His label changed the title to KC Loving, supposedly that sounded hipper. In 1955, Little Richard recorded two versions that weren't released until later. Then in 1959, Wilbert Harrison 
recorded a version uh, with slightly modified lyrics and a different arrangement from Littlefields. This debuted on the Hot 100 on April 18th of 1959 and peaked at number one on May 23rd of that year. For two, stayed in the top spot for two weeks. It was actually number one on the pop and R&B charts. It inspired a slew of others to record their own versions. Harrison's other chart appearances include his own composition, Let's Work Together, a number 32 hit in 1969. The next year, Canned Heat's version hit number 26. He also had My Heart Is Yours make the pop chart at number 98 in March of 71. One of the covers of Kansas City that charted was by Rocky Olson. Uh, His debuted on May 9th of 59, and it peaked at number 60 on May 16th for a total of four weeks on the chart. Uh, that was his only Hot 100 appearance, and I couldn't find too much about him. Hank Ballard and the Midnighters also covered the song, and it had the same debut and peak dates. Ballard's version made it only to number 72, but it spent seven weeks on the chart. That group had 12 Hot 100 singles, seven of which made the top 40, including two top 10 hits. Finger Poppin' Time and Let's Go, Let's Go, Let's Go. The final Kansas City single to chart in 59 was by Little Richard. It debuted on May 16th, and it peaked at number 95 on May 23rd. It was actually a medley with his own composition, Hey, 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 Hey. This was the version of Kansas City that Paul McCartney liked best, so when the Beatles covered the song, they did it in the same medley with Hey, Hey, Times Four. This was the B-side of the Ringo vocal Boys discussed in a previous Chart Chat segment. Since 1959, Kansas City has been covered over 300 times. Two more of these reached the Hot 100. Texas singer Trini Lopez had a number 23 hit with a cover from his album by popular demand More Trini Lopez at PJ's. It debuted on November 16th of 63 and peaked on January 4th of 1964. Lopez was best known for his cover of If I Had a Hammer and a top 20 hit called Lemon Tree. In 1967, James Brown and the Famous Flames released a cover of Kansas City that made it to number 55. It debuted on March 4th of 67 and uh, in a peak on March 25th. Um, in the song, Kansas City, the lyrics mention the intersection 12th and Vine, and due to how the you know changes in the city, that intersection no longer exists, uh, but they do have a plaza at 18th and Vine, which is in the historic jazz district called the Going to Kansas City Plaza, and it's laid out um, with a grand, p- shaped like a grand piano, and there's a trail path, like a treble clef, There's also a commemorative plaque talking about the song and the historic district. I found two other Kansas City songs in the database, uh, one of which was by Roger Miller called Kansas City Star. And that is the name of the newspaper, but the lyrics talk about a man who's a star on kids' TV in Kansas City. Um, Even though he's getting calls from Omaha to come work there for more money, he wants to stay in, in KC. Roger Miller was born in Texas and raised in Oklahoma. And uh, this song came from his third album and debuted on September 11th of 65 and hit a peak of number 31 on October 9th. Roger Miller is best known for his song King of the Road. He has many humorous... It's in that blur in that line between just being a funny song and being a novelty song, kind of in the country genre. If the AFC playoffs had gone the other way, we could still hear from Roger Miller with his song Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd. And the other Kansas City song I wanted to mention is 1927 Kansas City, written and performed by Mike Riley. The song debuted on March 13th of 1971 and reached a peak of number 88 on April 17th. It was later covered by singer-actor David Soule on his self-titled debut in 1976, though it was not a single for him. 
The Mike Riley version is not on Spotify, and I couldn't find much info on him, except I did find this blog called 1, 2, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock rock. And the author mentions that Mike Riley was discovered by Tom Smothers of the Smothers Brothers. And it describes the song as a lyrical cross between Harry Nilsson and a less acerbic Randy Newman. Now let's take a trip west on I-80 to San Francisco. Arguably the song most associated with the city is, in parentheses, I Left My Heart, in parentheses, in San Francisco, by crooner Tony Bennett. Unlike Kansas City, the writers of this song, George Corey and Douglas Cross, had actually lived in the city and wrote Heart after moving to New York and missing it. According to Wikipedia, they wrote it for Clara Mae Turner, who often sang it live but never recorded her own version. Tony Bennett's recording was released in early 1962 as the B-side of Once Upon a Time, but as the story always goes, DJs began playing the flip side instead. It debuted on the Hot 100 on August 11th of 62 and reached a peak of number 19 on October 20th. I'm surprised it charted so low, in quotes, uh, considering it it is his signature song, and he'd already had several top ten hits and three number ones. The album I Left My Heart in San Francisco hit number five, and it, combined with his second collab with Lady Gaga in 2021, broke the record for the longest run of having a top ten record on the Billboard 200 album chart from a living artist. The other big song which name checks the city is San Francisco, in parentheses, Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair by Scott McKenzie. The song was written by John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas and produced by Phillips and Lou Adler to promote the Monterey Pop Festival in Monterey, California, about two hours south of San Francisco. Scott McKenzie was born Philip Wallach Blondheim III, and he had played with John Phillips in a folk group called The Journeyman. He had changed his name when he was in an earlier group called The Smoothies, This Scott McKenzie being his stage name. San Francisco Flowers entered the Hot 100 on May 27th of 67 and hit a peak of number four on July 1st. Scott had one more hit later that year called Like an Old Time Movie, which hit a peak of number 24. Uh, He didn't have his own set at Monterey Pop Festival, but he did join the Mamas and the Papas to perform his hit. Another top 10 hit named after San Francisco in 1967 was San Franciscan Nights by Eric Burden and the Animals. It debuted on August 5th of that year and peaked at number 9 on September 16th. It was written as an ode to the city and its people, as well as a protest song against the Vietnam War. The wiki page calls out the lyric of Warm San Franciscan Nights, which is known to be kind of a chilly city at night, but offers the explanation that the band had spent time there during a warm spell in spring. Uh, The song opens with a spoken word intro over a parody of the Dragnet theme. A follow-up single simply called Monterey was written by Eric Burden about his experience performing at the festival, where they played under the name The New Animals, and that song hit number 15. Fever Tree was a psychedelic rock band from Houston, Texas, who started in 66 as the Boswick Vines, a folk group. A single off their self-titled debut, San Francisco Girls, in parentheses, Return of the Native, was their only Hot 100 appearance, though they had three albums make the 200. San Francisco Girls debuted on June 1st of 68 at number 91, which was its peak. I think it's a pretty cool song. It seems very of the time, and it makes me want to listen to their whole album. In 1969, songwriter Ben Peters, who wrote many hits for Charlie Pride, wrote a tune called San Francisco is a Lonely Town. Peters' own version hit the country charts, and soul R&B singer Joe Simon had an R&B hit at number 29 and a pop hit at number 79. The lyrics tell of a young couple's move to San Francisco and how that affects their love. It has been covered by many artists, male and female, black and white, throughout the next decade. 
The final song I want to mention is by the band Train called Save Me San Francisco. It's from the 2010 album of the same name. I really don't go for these guys, uh, what I've heard of them at least, but I decided to give this one a chance because I learned they are actually from San Francisco. I think the sound of the song is fine, if a bit generic, but the lyrics really tank it. Maybe it's a fan favorite, I don't know. I want to point out that the singer rhymes San Francisco with disco and calypso. In the alternate universe, Super Bowl, I could tell you about songs such as Bobby Bear's Detroit City and Trick Trick's Welcome to Detroit or Bobby Darren's The Lady Came from Baltimore. And would you believe the Strawberry Alarm Clock charted a hit called Barefoot in Baltimore? If you asked what city that the Strawberry Alarm Clock had sang about, I 100% would have said San Francisco, but I'd be wrong. I started prepping this before the game and I wrote most of it during the game. And now I'm recording it afterwards, so I can say congratulations to Kansas City if we just went by chart success since the only song that hit number one was Kansas City, so that kind of lined up. That's all for me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel, and congratulations, Kansas City Chiefs. This has been episode 319 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.